Welcome into the Odds and Audible's post-game edition from the very vantage point that Sir Jerry Allen oh. and uh, Mike Jorgensen had on the call. Uh, we're broadcasting from Arizona State's Press Box, Oregon's radio room. When Oregon wins this one, 49-22, to 22, um, Eric, we picked Oregon to win. I did not pick Oregon to cover. Jared did not pick Oregon to cover. You did barely. By, by half a point. By half a point. This is a place in which crazy, wacky, bad things happen to Oregon players, star players, seasons, and Saturday night, um, Oregon kind of, I don't know, for one night at least, they put those demons to bed and dominated a game that was pretty darn impressive. The score does not show how wide of a margin this game really was. Oregon basically went super vanilla for the entire fourth quarter and still won the game easily by four scores. This is a game that we all thought would be maybe really interesting in the fourth quarter, and it wasn't that yeah. at all. There was no suspense. Oregon put this game away in the first three quarters. Honestly, kind of put it away at half. Yep. You know, um, Arizona scores right at the end of the field goal to make it two scores, but Oregon dominated that half. And it, you know, th- At the end of that first half, we saw... The offense really figured some things out. I think, what, was that four or five drives? Four drives, I think, in the, to, to close the first half that ended in touchdowns, yeah. all sustained drives, all over 75 yards. Offense was awesome tonight, man. I'll tell you, that was really, really impressive. And it was impressive basically from start to finish. They had a, a, an early drive that they weren't able to capitalize off of, and then it was seven consecutive drives ending in touchdowns. It finished with over 500 yards for... Almost 600 yards. They, it looked like it was going to be six. They had 346 in the first half, something like that. So they, they could have had 600 if they wanted it. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, again, I don't know the stats here. Ty Thompson played basically every snap there. Again, offense wasn't super productive in that period. I think that's... If there's any gripes, that might be one of them. But like just the offense with the reserves wouldn't do much. But I don't even want to talk about that right now because yeah. that's so beyond the point. This has been such a hard place to win games. For Oregon, they hadn't won here since 2011. Yeah. The last time they did it, Michael James was a star running back, and Nick Foles was the quarterback for the Wildcats. It's been that long. Both of those guys' NFL careers are, are long gone, or, or in I think Foles' case, maybe he's still kind of hanging around. But Michael owns a killer burger. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like the, the, the fact that it's been that long, I just says a lot. And you know, it's kind of the same formula as the last time they won here, yep. which is they ran the ball at will over and over again 306 yards on the ground consecutive weeks now with over 300 yards a bunch of guys involved Bo Nix was just awesome again he had 70 yards rushing three touchdowns but I thought as Dan Lanning just said and we just finished talking with him in that post-game press conference didn't put the ball in play at all for Arizona 20 for 25 265 yards passing connected on some deep shots um, they had three passes longer than 27 yards in this game to three different receivers. Um, one of them was key early on hitting Chris Hudson to set up the first touchdown. They just kind of rolled from there. So no, I, I was super impressed with the offense. We'll get to some of the defensive stuff later. I thought this was maybe their most complete game as yeah. well in terms of forcing turnovers and, and, and slowing down an Arizona offense that we had a ton of respect for, and I could tell Dan Lanning did as well. 356 is the total yards that Arizona had. Oregon had 8.3 yards per play. That was at 10 midway through the second, third quarter. Um, and it only went down when they basically went vanilla. This is probably as close as a complete game mm-hmm. as Oregon has played this season. Dan Lanning kind of said that 
post game. Um, he certainly mentioned there's areas to improve, certainly some things to, to work on. There were some special teams gaffes on kicks that allowed punt and kickoff returns to you know, set Arizona up for some scores. There was a, a, a targeting penalty on Dante Manning that very next play, Arizona scored a touchdown late in the second quarter when Oregon could have you know, gotten the ball back and, and really put the, you know, the foot down on the throat. Mm-hmm. Plenty of things to work on, no doubt about it, but this was as close to a perfect game as they could play, or a complete game, I should say, yeah. as they could play. And one in which, if you made it to the very end of the podcast last time we were on the show, I said I didn't think Oregon was a team that yeah. would make a, a solid bull fringe team like Arizona is look like dog, like, like crap, like legitimate, terrible program. And yes, Arizona still has a lot of works. They still have a long ways to go. But you can see they're making progress. You can see that they are much improved from last season. And Oregon made them look like last year's one-win team, which is pretty darn impressive. I I don't want to make too much about this, but I almost feel more impressed than the Stanford win and almost kind of maybe even BYU because, look, all week, everyone kind of said, look, Oregon's going to go and they're going to destroy them. Oregon, you know, Arizona can't stop the run. And that's exactly what they did, exactly what everyone said that they were going to do. And for a young team like this to go in, hear all the positive talk, you're going to destroy this team. You're a two point, you know, two score favorite on the road and go in and cover convincingly. That says a lot about the leadership, the coaching and the potential that this team has. The other thing we talked about all week was about how hard it was going to be to stop the pass. <laughs> and I thought they answered the call. In the secondary, we've been critical of them, I think rightfully so at times. Obviously, Georgia was really ugly. BYU had some not great moments. Washington State had some not good moments. I think the last two weeks they played pretty darn well. Um, 241 yards passing for Delora. I know I predicted 400 yards passing. Didn't even get close. No. And honestly, they got over 200 yards, I think, you know, I don't know if it was fourth quarter or late third, but it wasn't like they were moving the ball very effectively through the air. And the big three at wide receiver for Arizona, they kept those guys in check for the most part. Jacob Cowing, six catches, 77 yards. McMillan, 548, and the lone pass touchdown. And then Dorian Singer, three for 56. I thought they did a good job of keeping those guys in front of them. A couple of times they did get beat over the top, one on the first drive. And we should know, I thought it was the, the way that they – Forced to turn over on that first drive. Arizona had some momentum. Dan Lanning talked about this, about how key that was for just kind of wrestling momentum away. Because Arizona goes all the way down the field. Impressive drive. They hit a, a deep shot over Tricrest Bridges' head, head for one of the two times all game they did that um, successfully. And then they you know, and then they get a takeaway. You know, and it was kind of an unforced Arizona error to a certain extent. I have to go back and watch it and see you know, how much of a role Oregon really played in that, but I thought that was crucial, and then from there, I, I was just really impressed with the secondary. We've been really critical of them a lot this season, and I thought they really stood up, and it was also impressive the way, first off, it's a bummer Dante Manning gets ejected, because I thought he was playing his really best good. ball as an Oregon player. Um, and that was a B, that was the whole, it was targeting, but the whole process to get to the targeting was a joke, a pack tw- just one, another, another long, the long line of Pac-12 officiating just stupid processes. It was really bad. Arizona called a timeout. Over like two minutes of real time passed. More than that. And then Arizona, then the officials decide, oh, let's go back and review targeting. Like, 
three or four minutes after the play had happened and then find it. Yeah, did it happen? Yeah, but it, it wasn't even, you know, they, they missed it and it, take, it took like five minutes to even realize that they missed it. And Manning's out of the game the entire second half. And I thought Jaleel Florence had some nice moments. I didn't think Bridges or and Gonzalez, we should note, was was playing in a lot of different places. Kind of playing almost like a nickel slot corner for most of this game. But I thought out wide Bridges and, and Florence in the second half really handled their business. And as, as um, Bennett Williams said in post game, they forced a lot of checkdowns. They forced you know this pass offense, which is hi- highly reliant on vertical passes. To really throw it underneath a lot, and and they tackled, I thought pretty admirably in space, especially in the first half. Second half kind of maybe came back to an area you're not too thrilled with, with in terms of missing some. But I, I thought the defense in the back end was impressive, and and I I was also really impressed. One of the keys I had going in was for that defensive front to to kind of make things Very difficult, good. and I thought they they answered the call there. Um, Dorless was impactful. DJ Johnson was impactful. I think Trevor my I had a couple where he was he was back involved. So. Um, you know, Bennett Williams obviously has the sack that ends up being a strip sack that they had. So I, I thought that was a really complete defensive performance for most of the game. There's a couple of, surprisingly, the two biggest plays for Arizona were on the ground. Yeah. And they kind of came in funky spots where I think Oregon was in kind of a, a pass defensive kind of fit. And, and they were surprised, and Arizona hit him with a couple of chunk plays. But I think overall this was a really great defensive showing. And, the fact that you had a great offensive game, a great defensive game, all the game grades on Monday, I, I, I don't know. This might be, to me, the most impressive game so far. And we'll see what Arizona is from here. We were just looking at the schedule beforehand. It's brutal. They might win one more game. They might not win another game the rest of the way. They have a really tough schedule. But I think we've, everybody kind of agrees that Arizona team has taken a, a really big step forward from where they were a year ago when they won just one game. And this is an impressive win, even though this might be over a team that ultimately ends up Four and eight, five and seven at best. Eleven havoc plays for Oregon's defense tonight. Um, that's tackles for loss, passes defended, forced fumbles, interceptions combined. That's a lot. Um, it's certainly not an elite number, but it, it's more. It's probably more than you or I were probably anticipating in, in this game. You're right. The defense played really good. You were impressed with Manning until he got ejected. You were impressed with Florence, who replaced him. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like early on, Triquest Bridges got picked on, but then I don't know, midway through the second second quarter, early third quarter, things got locked up for him. And you know, we asked Bennett Williams post game, like when you see your offense score seven straight drives in a row, which is now the second time that's happened this season, by the way. Um, how much does that help you as a defense? And you kind of just you hear the term "pin your ears back and go." And he said it's everything because they have ultimate confidence. It's like a shot blocker, you know, protecting the paint, and your guards can go and just get steals because they know the you know the, the shot blocker is there to clean up any misses. That's what the offense was like tonight. You know, if, if the defense gave up a score, Oregon's you know that side of the ball knew, hey, our offense is going to go and score. Because it's it's very clear they could not stop Oregon's offense. Um, I think we saw a stat during the game. Their sixth 40 or more yard pass play was completed in this one, a 50, uh, 52 yard or 42 yarder to Chris Hudson. Um, that surpasses the total that Oregon had last season of five. No, it ties it. This, ties it. They had five coming in. They got to six. So even then, I mean, halfway through the halfway season. through the season, they've already equaled what. 
the offense has done, you know, from a big play pass perspective last season. This is the fifth game in a row that Oregon's offense has scored 40 or more, 41 or more points. The last time that's happened is 2014 when Oregon rattled off nine in a row as they made it to the national championship game. Uh, six, no, five different, is it six different players scored rushing touchdowns or five? It was, uh, it was five. Yeah. yeah, five, seven total rushing touchdowns with five players. Five players. Uh, that that hasn't happened since 2017. Yeah. Um, the seven rushing touchdowns is the most since Nichols in 2013. Um, look, I wonder the last time they had consecutive 300-yard rushing games. Yeah, I don't know have that one off the top of my head, but it's been a minute. And this is an offense that, yes, with a three-point performance against Georgia Week One. I, I almost want to say it that they might be the toughest offense in the conference. USC is the other one. UCLA. UCLA. That's that's true. I think those are the other ones right now. But to see how far this team has come since week one, I you have. I mean, look, Kenny Dillingham's getting paid a million dollars a year. I, I think if if you're Oregon right now, you're already kind of working on some kind of redo of that contract because the offense is just night and day. And it looked like it was going to be scary, but you know, scary choppy waters week one. And ever since then, it's. I said it in my instant takeaways. Every week we walk away with, wow, they're doing something awesome offensively. I love the play calling. I love the design. And Landing himself said, it, look, it, it's the same stuff every single week. It's just formation wise, we're doing it differently. And how we get to point A to point B just looks different. It, but it's literally the same thing. I mean, they scored a touchdown on a tight end rever- uh, fly sweep today. Uh, uh, when's the last time a touchdown was scored by a tight end in a game? Uh, in a run. In a run. Probably Colt Lairla back in, like, 2012. No, and I think the thing that's so fun with this offense, and I've got a couple other offensive thoughts, too, but, you know, it, we, we, they do it, as you said, in a lot of different ways. And there are a couple times here where... They go tempo, they don't sub, mm-hmm. they keep the package on the field. That forces Arizona to keep their defense in the field. And there are a, four or five, a couple of four or five play sequences where they're just a little different personnel-wise. Yeah. A couple times they did, or one time in the first half, they had two running backs out there together, um, you know, and they had Dollars and, and Bucky. Both those guys are good pass receivers. They, they utilized them kind of out there in a kind of a, a mix-and-match way that I thought was really interesting. They ran a couple times out of it. They threw a couple times out of it. Um, and I think they did the same thing last week, but I think they threw mostly out of that formation last week. This week they ran out of it a lot. Um, they they had a couple of sequences where they have Bucky, and he's just flexed out for like three or four plays, and it's it's you know no backs back there with Bo, and there's a, a, a QB design run there. There's a screen pass out that out of that. There's a passes down the field out of that to Bucky, and, and almost basically he's running routes that. You know, uh, an X or a Z receiver would be running. You know, it, it, there's just so much kind of fun stuff like that. They, as you said, they showed a couple new elements out. There's a, it seems like every week we get a new wrinkle out of yep. the jumbo um, package. You know, there's a name for it, by the way. I, I think we talked about it. I'm not sure on the podcast. 14 J, which is one running back, four tight ends. Josh Connerly is the J. That's the official uh, name. And uh, as Ryan Walk said a couple weeks ago, when we talked about it. Uh, Kenny Dillingham really creative with coming up with plays and formations, not good with names. <laughs> 14 James J is, is kind of boring, but I mean, the first I think the first time we saw it really in, in, in volume was against BYU, and it was exclusively run plays. And then against Washington State, they started to throw out of it. And then last week we saw a little bit of option out of it. And then today, as you said, you see the, t- the tight end kind of come around on an end around, and so 
all these little things here. The one thing we haven't really seen is the fullback targeted as a pass receiver or as a running back. I guarantee you there's something coming with that where Patrick Herbert is capable of, of carrying it or, or you know maybe coming out as uh, you know into the flat as a as a running back or maybe you know uh, you know for a pass or maybe even kind of coming up field and, and running something into the end zone. But there's always just kind of these fun little tweaks and elements. And as you said. You got to open the paycheck up for this guy. This is the best. I think this is the most creative offense we've seen from Oregon um, since Mark Calfridge was here, yep. almost a decade ago. Um, and he's young. He's inspired. <laughs> he's doing a lot of fun things. And there's a school not too far from this one that needs a head coach that he went to school at in Arizona State that is again looking for a head coach. And if you're Oregon, I don't know if you can can really contend with the difference between being an offensive coordinator or being a head coach at, at Arizona State, just in terms of the status of that job. But if you can do anything financially to combat that, open the checkbook up. I think this guy's really special. I, I do have back-to-back weeks. Just to, just to uh, Jared, this week has a gripe probably. He's not here in the podcast, by the way. He's back in Eugene. But back-to-back weeks, we've had these I was just say predictions. Just I was just looking at this. This is brutal. Last week I had Bucky <laughs> with so with a hundred yards on a prediction. Those those who are regular listeners know about this, and I probably know where I'm going. I had Bucky last week a hundred yards. He went finished with 97. Jared had three run. He went. He predicted three running backs would have 70 or more yards. Oh. Whittington 92, Bonix 70, and then Jordan James 69, and Bucky Irving 67. <laughs> he was three yards short of not three but four. <laughs> yeah, no, he, yeah, no. He almost got four of them. I had my five, by the way, five rushing touchdowns done, um, I think, by Quite impressive. early on, third quarter. So I, I got that one done out of the way pretty quick. But I don't know what else there's really to say about the offense. Um, I thought it was pretty fantastic. And, and, and again, I, I continue to just think Bo Nix is doing a great job operating it. Yeah. We don't – Bo Nix – I saw someone tweet, like, it's time people kind of get off the national narrative and just kind of enjoy the year of Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was perfectly well said because, yeah, he's made a ton of mistakes in his past, but he's playing amazing football right now. And yeah. Landing talked about, I think you mentioned at the very beginning, there were no balls in his mind that were in jeopardy for you know Arizona to get at. And there was about five or six of them against Stanford. Real quick here, defensively, Oregon played pretty good. Yeah. Really, really tremendous effort. I think Christian Gonzalez did a good job. They tried him in a new spot today. Yeah, moved him around a lot, but he's playing um, a lot of slot. We saw that in practice. We're told not to mention it. <laughs> We're told quite definitively, don't talk about this. But there it was. There it was in the game, new spot. Um, I think that's good chess move by Oregon, which you know, kind of – Kind of liked, it, you know, and I I was impressed with the DBs. Um, just everything we saw, especially after Manning's get, you know, his ejection, pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. And you walk out of this knowing Arizona has what 375 yards of total offense, 241 through the air, yeah, um, 356. Yeah, yeah, I, little, little I gave him there. extra. Just a really really. Good performance against an opponent that's improved that you made them look like they were bad. And it sets Oregon up to go into a bye week. Yep. They're 5-1. and one. They need one more win to get to a bowl game, which 
it's kind of now, it's not like irrelevant, but it used to be a thing at Oregon. It's no longer, Has, hey, bull eligibility. It hasn't been since we were in like grade school. Yes. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, things are, things, look, we said at the beginning of the year, if you were 5-1 and one through your first six games when you got yeah. to a bowl game. Hey, good call. This is what you were kind of, you know, you're living up to your expectations. Week one, it was, didn't look yeah, like well, that was going to happen. I was just going to say, no, I think. All right, not, not to give, pat ourselves in the back a little bit. Remember, we were saying in, in uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium six weeks ago, saying, hey, people are losing their minds yeah. on social media, on, 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 on the Duck Territory message board, probably in the Autzen Audible's comment section on YouTube or even on, our, on the podcast app. Like, this team stinks. No one's going to, these guys aren't going to win a lot of games. They're awful. And we said, hey, get to the bye week. See where we're at. See where they're at. They've won five straight. The defense has been kind of up and down, but I think it's surging right now. The offense has been, as you said, the stats are super impressive. Every game, a new kind of high here, a new high there. I think you come away feeling like, I think this is a pretty dang good team. As you said earlier, none of us really felt super confident they would cover this one. I predicted it, but by the slimmest of margins, there was no suspense in that. They were going to cover it, and we kind of knew it at halftime. So I, I think... They've answered every call yep. ever since that game. It started with the way they played against Eastern, where they just kind of put the foot down and beat the crap out of them. They did a very something very similar against a good BYU team. It really hasn't played very well. I'm going to say that yeah. quietly since then, which is maybe a little disappointing. Impressive comeback against Washington State. And then these last two weeks really just kind of put the foot down against two lesser opponents, the way you like to see it, in a way that I think really is encouraging. And sets it up now, Matt. Things are going to get interesting. For... What will be a bye week? Yes. In, they will not play a game, according Dan, to Dan Lanning. Dan had some really good uh, <laughs> smart smart aleck, I'll say, comments towards my the way I pr- 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 uh, proposed that question to him. Um, he also said, I don't know if this is true, they're going to do some yoga. <laughs> Was it hot yoga? He's, I think he said some yoga sessions. I don't know. He said they're going to recharge their batteries. But the main the main take, well, he made the joke twice, is I said, what's the difference about a bye week? Well, on Saturdays, we don't play a game. <laughs> Which, yeah, okay, good job, Eric. Walked right into that one. But after the bye week... And I know, buckle up, fans are aware of this, and I, I think there's a really good chance this happens, but UCLA also just played a really, really impressive game earlier this day. Against a top 15 Utah Against team. a top 15 Utah team. They beat them pretty soundly. I don't remember the final score. Was it 17 points? I think they points? won by 17, or 10 points because they scored a late touchdown. Late, okay, but they, but they won pretty soundly. They come to Autzen Stadium on October 22nd. Undefeated. Undefeated. Both these teams could be in, top 10. in the top 10 range. Oregon right now is 12th. I think they're going to move up a spot probably this way with uh, Utah losing. And I, I, I don't have all the rest of the I think Kentucky lost too. Slate in front of me. But, yeah, maybe there's some movement. They might end up in that kind of top 10 range. And I think UCLA will end really similarly. And that could be a college game day thing. And you, you, as Kelly Graves tweeted it out earlier, it's everything you want for college game day. You, yeah. Not only is Oregon doing really well, you saw doing really well. You, you've got the Chip Kelly being undefeated, yep. his best season since being at Oregon over ten years ago. Coming back to the school that he kind of helped rise to prominence, um, it has all the makings of a classic. And I think it's going to be a really fun football game. So as you said, buckle up, get a week. The team has some time to recharge, heal up. Not a lot of injuries, but they've got some to deal with and get ready for what I think could be an awesome game on October 22nd at Hudson. I'm really looking forward. Yeah. ESP, I, I, if, I set the, if I could set the odds here, it'd be like a 10, you know, minus 10,000 for, for game day to be in Eugene because there's, there's not a lot of good games that week. I think Mississippi State, Alabama is maybe the, the only really potential yeah, Alabama's challenge. Yeah, going to get their treatment, though, throughout the year. I'm and not. game day loves coming out west. They love coming to Hudson especially. 
They love Oregon. They haven't been out west in a while. Uh, I think it's been a couple years. And they love Chip Kelly. The storyline just lines up perfectly. Yep. Undefeated Chip Kelly, who will have the team with a signature win in the top 15, maybe top 10, coming to Odson Stadium to play his former Oregon team, that you know, program. And at a school at or you know, ESPN loves coming to. Um, that will be a primetime, 12.30, 1 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock football game. We won't know that for another week or so. Um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I can't wait for it. But we get a bye week, and it probably couldn't come at a better time because you got a big opponent. There aren't really a ton of injuries, but there are certainly some guys who could use the extra week uh, to just get a little bit more I think healthy. There are guys that are playing through yes. injuries. Like I think Justin Flo notably played quite a bit today. I thought he actually played pretty, pretty well, good. but he's clearly dealing with something that caused him to miss was a game. Dealing I think, with stuff. I think Sewell is clearly also dealing with the thing. Um, you know, I don't think Stephen Jones is coming back. Maybe I don't even want Byron Cardwell. I don't. Yeah. By the way, I've said this before. It's an injury. There's no controversy here. Let's not read into it too much. He's hurt. He's not. He didn't make the trip even. Um, Brian Addison, we should note, no, not um, here. wasn't here. I asked Dan about it. He said he was unavailable, didn't give any really other feedback, but he was notably absent. Who knows if that's injury or if that's – I'm just going to assume it's injury because I have no reason to believe it's not. But maybe that gives him time to get healthy. Right. He's a really key player in the back end. So some guys that need to get healthy. But this is I, – I, honestly, I think this has worked out really well for the way the schedule has played out. You lose your first game. It was brutal. You've rattled off five impressive wins. Some against not very impressive teams. Go to the bye week and get a really good team coming out. And two games on the road that are against lesser competition, but you never know. Cal, Colorado. And then you finish in November with what's going to be a really tough final three games when Washington, Utah come to town, and then you finish with Oregon State and Corvallis. It's it's going to be fun. As we said, buckle up, strap in, get ready, and, and we'll have a lot of season kind of midway review points kind of podcasts, games, you know, stories, content items up on DuckTerrico.com this week. That's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's post-game edition from Arizona Stadium when Oregon wins 49-22 against the Arizona Wildcats to improve to 5-1 and one at the halfway point of the season by week. We'll be back for a post-game edition from Austin Stadium or from our homes, actually, yeah. uh, in a couple weeks. But like Eric said, check out the, the podcast throughout the week as we recap things, look ahead towards basketball and more and more on the show. Until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.